Hi, I am Andrea, and this is Empowered by Darkness, a podcast for anyone seeking to dive deep into all parts of themselves, especially the darker ones, to become empowered by the integration of these into uncovering your unique expression and purpose. Here we shed light on the self-hatred, the resentment, the need for validation and saving, the fear of being loved, the illusion of power and damaging patterns, and many more topics that will challenge you to bloom where you're currently planted. Welcome to your life's work. Take a seat and let's get started. Hi, welcome back to the Empowered by Darkness podcast. I am your host, Andrea. Today's episode is going to be a triggering one. And I wanted to say that from the get-go because there's no surprises on this podcast. And frankly, I got triggered by the topic that we're going to be covering today many times in the past. Still to this day, it depends on who talks about it and what are the, what's kind of like the approach that they take with the topic. It depends on that whether or not I feel that urge that kind of comes up inside of me and inside of many of us to just tune out altogether what they're saying or put a pause on it and return later when we feel more capable of staying for the remaining kind of information that's being shared. So if you find yourself throughout this episode like you want to do that because some things are coming up that are triggering, that are uncomfortable, I, like I always say, invite you to take that as an opportunity to grow in compassion and giving yourself grace because we're all in the same boat. Honestly, this is something, today's topic is something that is so incredibly human to do and I just want to stress that I cannot really stress it enough so that's why I'm saying it in the introduction because I get it I completely get being in the position of wanting to be saved and that's today's topic today we're going to be talking about wanting someone to come in to save us from a difficult situation emotion or thought process what do i mean by saving so when i say we seek saving from something i talk about wanting to be removed from the intensity of the situation or just to be taken away from it altogether Um, and how is another person in a position to save us what i mean by the person being able to do this is that the person can be a distraction. They can potentially remove us from the place where things are happening to us. So they can also inspire in us new emotions that aren't as challenging to process. And another thing they can do is they can expedite our decision-making process, if that's something that we're stuck in. They can also motivate us to rise above certain limitations or they can see things in us that we didn't know were there and that can help us bring some levity to the situation and you might be wondering 
after I have just listed kind of the definition of someone being able to quote-unquote save you, you might be wondering, well, some of these things sound quite positive. Like, for example, when I mentioned having someone motivate us to rise above limitations, motivation from someone else can be incredibly positive and nurturing. And this podcast episode, and I want to emphasize, is not bashing or discrediting in any way the support that another person can bring to someone's journey. Because as we've spoken about in previous episodes, there's duality to experience. So things aren't as black and white as saying, don't desire someone to help you on your difficult, tough moments in life. It's natural to desire having someone to walk life with. What this episode centers on is how desiring for saving can be detrimental to your, your personal power, your ability to feel inner peace within and just have the capacity to take care of yourself, you know, because there's, there's the ability to coexist in taking care of yourself and also being with someone else to walk the difficult moments of life with. Um, so in this episode, we're really talking about the root of wanting to be saved. Where is that necessity coming from? And is, is it something that we have to take a closer, closer look at in order to better serve ourselves in the long run? So since I mentioned what's the root, why don't we start talking about that? Let's get to that part because it might be the most important thing that you take from this episode. So some possible examples of what can kind of lead to wanting saving are that we don't believe we have the capacity to hold space for ourselves. So perhaps we distrust our own judgment. Perhaps we don't even have quite like an established relationship with ourselves. We've never given ourselves the opportunity to build that or we don't know how to build that. Another thing is that we can fear discovering the depth of our individual suffering. And that can be another reason for wanting someone to come in to take us away from that depth. Another thing is that we don't want to wait until... Perhaps there's waves of grief or insecurity, and we don't want to wait for them to pass because they're either too destabilizing or they're just unbearable to some capacity. And another reason we can seek saving is that we see those around us as being better off for having someone by their side. Another reason is that we may have a limiting belief that we don't have the strength to walk certain paths alone for for a specific period of time. We believe that we have to have someone there with us. And we can also romanticize our parts within that are hurting. We can romanticize them being seen in a way that no one ever has done before, not even ourselves. So we think in this kind of romanticization, 
romanticizing did i say romanticization i don't even think that's a word in romanticizing being seen we believe that there's like this right dosage of healing and levity that can come from someone seeing our pain so if there's like i mentioned earlier if there's no real relationship with yourself we believe that only an external force can bring this seeing of ourselves in our full splendor and just as a side note you might be asking yourself since i have mentioned this phrase a lot building a relationship with yourself you might be asking yourself how do i do this and frankly an entire episode could be dedicated to exploring this because isn't that what we're doing throughout our entire lives we are deepening our relationship with ourselves but to give you a quick answer to that, just to kind of get the gears turning and, and imagining what we may be currently lacking that is leading to this desire for someone to come in and help us, I define building a relationship with yourself as sitting with the situation you desire saving from, but not doing so as punishment to yourself. So I'm not, what I mean by punishment is I'm not saying to myself, you should be over this by now and and you should be able to deal with this by yourself like why are you seeking someone else to come in and and help you this is something that you have like the capacity to do by yourself and kind of shaming yourself for the search of someone and also the incapacity to deal with the issue at hand and that's kind of what i mean by punishment so what you do when you build a relationship with yourself is that you sit with the situation, but you do it with a deep reverence for yourself and your worthiness of your own care of yourself. So you do it with a reverence of doing so at, at your own timing. And you have this ability to see deeper into what is making you want to be saved. And you give yourself the time to determine where that's coming from and how you can be compassionate with yourself and, and uncovering the depths of that necessity to have someone. You see how it, it takes time and it takes awareness and it takes patience. And you inevitably build a more profound connection with yourself through that shift in gears of instead of searching you you stay rooted where you're where you currently are and, and you try to understand the discomfort and if it's leading you anywhere and how you can best support yourself through it so like i mentioned in the beginning i wanted to point out the duality of experience and really emphasize that we heal and we grow through connection as well you know but there should be an attempt to have a healthy balance between our self-reliance and our reliance on others and we aim for this by examining the motivations behind our desires and not shying away from asking ourselves uncomfortable questions that unearth why we feel an urgency for companionship during the difficult moments. Another reason why I wanted to do an episode on this topic is that I wanted to really emphasize that 
when we seek saving, there is a dynamic that happens that is very unfair to yourself and to the person that you are looking at to be the savior in your situation. And that is that we place someone on a pedestal. And the reason why this is problematic is that, you know, all of us encounter moments of weakness in, in which our predisposition for moving in tribes and connection and experiencing nurturing from others, you know, we experience moments where we're feeling weak and something inside of us that's being challenged wants companionship and there is no absence of difficult moments in life and loneliness that comes with many of those moments and since all of us experience this it's not fair to expect one person to be the cure for a condition that they too will eventually experience when encountering hardship if it's not the case that they're already going through it as you are placing them on this pedestal of being a savior. So there will never be a shortage of people that desire to fall into the role of savior. I want to make that clear. You know, there are people on this earth that feed into the dynamic of someone wanting to be saved and they come in as that kind of with a savior complex in in some sense, they come in wanting to fulfill that necessity for that role. But the important thing to note is that like the people that are seeking to be saved, wanting to save another has much more to do with your own desire to feel good than it does with ensuring that the other person does. So a lot of the people that are seeking to fulfill this role of being a savior, they do it out of seeking some form of validation that there are enough and you can imagine how forming a relationship made up of both sides of this dynamic leads to codependency where there's little time and space for actually getting to know oneself and and what actually makes you have inner peace because you've already fallen into a dynamic that is kind of like a cycle like you if you have both sides of the dynamic being willing to continue to exercise the same patterns of thinking and feeling, it's going to continue to move in the same direction of depending so heavily on one another that there really isn't time for introspection and personal growth. And I don't know about you, but when I grew up, and you know, nowadays too, like, but thinking back about what I saw portrayed in media, like movies, TV shows, just online, I saw a lot of this kind of depiction of someone encountering hardship and then another entity, another person coming in and relieving the suffering. It just became kind of like this romanticized, in a sense, worshipped image of there being harmony at the end of the day because these two individuals were able to find themselves in the middle of difficulty and and there was like the happily ever after at the end so it became a sense a matter of no matter how hard your situation is you can aspire to having this external force coming into your life to 
make things more passable, make things easier. So one example that comes to mind, and when I was preparing this episode, as the more that I thought about it, the more clear that example portrayed this dynamic, and that is the movie Titanic. Um, Rose in the movie, if you've never seen Titanic, I'm going to make kind of like an effort to (laughs) sum it up. Um, But basically, Rose is the protagonist in the movie. And Rose comes from like a very wealthy family. And but in the movie, we see that Rose feels trapped by living in the same superficial social dynamics with her family and, and their acquaintances. So these dynamics are usually people around her that always talk about how wealthy they are. And they make offensive comments about those that are in lower classes. And Rose just feels incredibly trapped by this. And she feels unable to pick what she actually desires. So she feels like she needs to marry according to class and wealth. And she constantly moves against her desires. Because of the nature of the class that she was born into and what her family asks of her due to this class that she is a part of. And in the movie, the other protagonist, Jack, is comes from a social background completely opposite to Rose. He is, you would say, poor. You know, he was able to get his ticket to board the Titanic, the ship, um, in a, like, he did, like, a gamble, and he won his ticket through a gamble, and we see that Jack is kind of riding in the same ship as Rose by fate. You know, this happened by fate. He wasn't really in the position to afford a passage of that expense. So Rose, I mean, sorry, Jack comes into Rose and her experience. Um, Really, the first introduction Jack has to Rose, he actually saves her from jumping off of the Titanic, the ship, because Rose is having like an existential crisis and she feels like this is her only option because she has to marry someone that she doesn't love. And literally Jack saves Rose from jumping and he throughout the movie starts immersing himself into Rose's social circle. And he continues to show her how she can have more fun, she can be more carefree, and she can pursue a different life path that doesn't make her so miserable. So Jack saves Rose at the end of the film, and he also does it, like, quite, like, he does it physically. He saves her from drowning when the Titanic goes down, and, you know, he shares, like, a a wooden board with her. That helps her to stay alive but before that he helped save rose and her experience of of her life you know he he helped her experience more levity throughout her difficult situation and many times in movies and shows like this one you know a person like jack comes in to the protagonist's life when they find themselves experiencing huge discomfort And they're kind of like this saving grace that comes in, sometimes from the literal blue, like they will come in and you will not foresee them coming, but it's a miraculous occurrence. And you can imagine how having that kind of 
miraculous appearance in someone's life when they're going through very difficult depths in their experience how that can make you feel like as a as a viewer it can make you feel like that's a possibility for you if you're currently undergoing very tough circumstances and a lot of the times in these media depictions it's a strategic plot because viewers really root for love stories and situations in which there's this this unequivocal situation and equation where a person is suffering they lose hope and then someone comes in to return that hope and together they create something beautiful and then there's a happily ever after so perhaps viewers wouldn't have been interested in witnessing a rose that either began finding her personal power alone on that ship or fully did it by herself through a series of trials where you know she fell in some instances and others she was able to come out victorious but she eventually did it by herself um and honestly this would have been a more accurate depiction of how most of us do it in real life when there's no other choice there's no saving grace that comes in from a person my rose moment (laughs) in which i found myself metaphorically drowning in a life experience that happened to me was something that didn't happen too long ago it happened about two years ago and it was kind of like an accumulation of different circumstances that were just happening one after another and left me feeling like I was drowning. Um, One of them was I did this whole effort to switch careers into something that I felt was aligned with my path and that was trying to switch into the career of therapy and counseling and I was rejected from graduate school in my first attempt to apply. Around the time that I got my rejection, I was in the middle of supporting my mom through a cancer treatment that had a lot of pitfalls. Um, She was not responding well to her first round of chemo and she just had the most agonizing physical pain when I was with her at home caring for her during those weeks. So I didn't have a job at this time. I didn't have any school like responsibilities. I, for the first time leading up to that experience, I felt like I could not find my worth as a person because I'd always put that worth on achievements like having a stable job, having a career that I could tell others I was working hard to keep afloat and eventually become a professional. So caregiving was really my only responsibility at the time and it was incredibly challenging emotionally. We had continuous doctor's visits. I used to joke all the time, and this was my way of coping, joking about it. I used to joke that the hospital became our second home because we were there all the time. Um, There were, like I said, many pitfalls in my mom's response to treatment. We had a couple visits to the ER because there were some complications with surgery that my mom had to get done. And those visits to the ER were so difficult and I had several anxiety attacks during those visits. 
and I was like alone. Well, I was with my mom, but I always felt the need to keep whatever mental health issues I was having, emotional issues, I always felt the need to keep them to myself because I could not put them on my mother. You know, she was going through such a difficult time that it was going to be an added stress. And I just refrained at all costs from putting it on her too. Also, seeing my mom stay today at home and being there to, you know, feed her and and help her do like basic tasks. It was very hard because my mom's one of the strongest people that I know and during those weeks of treatment, she was basically in bed for all of the day. And she just had agonizing pain and she would complain a lot about the pain at night and I slept like next to her every night so I would just I remember like just turning over to face the wall and and crying trying to not have her see that I could not stand it anymore because just I I'm an empath and I've always felt others emotions very deeply and I love my mother we have such a close relationship so everything kind of just piled up <laughs> on top of each other like all these factors and the experience was so difficult um on top of that i feel like what made it so hard was the fact that i never knew when the experience was going to end it was just kind of like we we entered it knowing that this was a serious illness and the treatment was going to be elaborate but we didn't expect it to be this case of she's now in remission but she still has to get tested like these amount of times a year or she has to come to these doctor's appointments and you know she might need to get like an extra um they gave her like some pills that she had to take after chemo that were going to be preventative and that gave her some side effects so it was always this matter of you never knew when things were going to end and that was, that was a huge uncertainty that was bringing a lot of anxiety to my life as well. So my desire to be saved at this time was honestly the simplest way that I could find to wrap up everything that I felt unable to carry in the situation that I was in. So some of these things were having an unclear professional pathway and feeling like a failure because I very much felt that way during a year which was kind of the duration of her treatment another thing that I didn't know how to conceive of was the anxiety surrounding my mom's mortality I was also grappling with frustration being left with her alone in most of her doctor's visits because I have two siblings and they were there for the beginning of her treatment and towards the end Towards the middle and the end, they stopped going to a lot of the doctor's appointments, and I was the one that pushed through with my mom because I was the one that didn't have a job, and it was, you know, it was my responsibility. I obviously wanted to do it, but the way my siblings saw it was I had the time, so I was there. But being there came with a lot of emotional difficulty. Um, another thing that I was grappling with was wanting to be held literally when I would break down alone in my worry about what would happen I would start crying I would be sobbing and 
just feeling so in need of just a hug or of reassurance that things were going to work out. And there was, like I said, the uncertainty of when it would all pass. And it was never as easy as someone coming in and removing me from the multi-layered truth of what was happening in front of me. But I made it out to be that way because I felt like the suffering that I was in had to have a solution of some sort. And that was the only one I could conceive of, even though it was not as simple as that. And it was not as simple because the parts of this experience would continue to stay with me either way, even if someone came in or not to save, to save me from what was happening. So the feeling of being a failure, the fear of what would happen to my mom, the resentment, and even the need to be held if I rushed into a connection just for the sake of being physically held but not really given emotional support, that would have still been there if someone came in in my desperate attempt to just experience saving. Because if I was being real with myself, it's a commitment to really be with a person that has an ill family member. And most people will not willingly be present with another when they aren't able to receive something immediate in return. And, you know, they will be there, but not really there with genuine interest in the person and genuine care. If it's this rushed connection that is just there to serve the purpose of having another body with you in the room as you are going through this indescribable pain and I feel very fortunate that as I was going through the experience I had that in the back of my mind I had that awareness that yes it would be easy to have someone here with me to say at a surface level it's going to be okay but I knew that I wanted to be held and I wanted to be seen in a much deeper way than that and in the moment that it was all happening, I thought, honestly, right now, I feel more for myself than I think someone would feel if I just let them in and precipitated this encounter for the both of us. I feel like I know the degree of pain that I'm going through. And, and I feel like even if it's incredibly difficult to sustain myself in this moment, I can do it. And that is not like romanticizing or glorifying doing it alone um, because we all need support. And I reached out to friends all the time, you know, during my mom's treatment. I reached out to family members and it was incredibly helpful and healing. But I just, the necessity to be saved, I just knew that the scope of what I was going through couldn't be met just by one person. One person doesn't have the capacity to bring any saving that is that grand because they are going through their own experience too and it's incredibly unfair to put that weight on them, that expectation on them. So you might be wondering why do we make it out to be that easy in our minds then? You know, why do we make it out to be like to think this person, this entity, can save me in this moment? And I really thought about that question and what I came up with was that I think we all, to some extent, 
want to believe that in the toughest of situations, there can be a miraculous opening that will bring lightness. And if at the very least, it will bring a mental escape from the grandness of our suffering. A part of wanting escape is feeling a sense of entitlement to it coming faster than what the situation demands of us. So when I said that I didn't know when my mother's treatment would end and also when the uncertainty and the anxiety and the fear would end, you know, when I said that, I, I never knew when the situation would cease to be so excruciating. And that uncertainty at times made me feel like I, I had a right to know, you know, like, when is this going to be over for me? Because no one should have to go through this for so long. But that was kind of my sense of entitlement to relief coming faster than perhaps what the situation was meant to last to have me learn a, a specific lesson or, or acquire some wisdom and, and resilience from it. So we may feel it to be an inconvenience to the path that we are already on or simply something that doesn't happen to people like us or people that have already worked through a lot of trauma or have accomplished X, Y, and Z. We might feel like with those things that we have done, we don't deserve to be going through this difficult suffering. But if there is no expiration date in sight why why can't we conceive of asking if that has a reason instead of beginning to craft our own expiration date that is not really a real one it's just it's like a perceived escape to what we're going through but we're still going through the depths of the emotion that that's bringing because even with somebody else that's coming in as a savior we don't fully let go of everything that comes with the experience, everything that weighs on our hearts, that makes us feel that anxiety building up in our muscles, that tension, you know, we still continue to carry that with us. So then you may be asking, Andrea, what can I do to get out of this wanting to be saved? And I want to encourage you to first observe the situation we are in with curiosity. Why is this happening to me at this moment? Ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? Why are these thoughts becoming so insistent? And frankly, there will be many emotions mingled in with this observation, but the key is not to shame ourselves or suppress the emotions, but rather observe them. Why are we meeting our experience of this reality with these specific emotions? So why are these emotions paired with our experience of what we're currently going through? And then when we ask ourselves that question, we can say, what are these trying to tell us about our stance and what's going on? Are we feeling like victims? Do we sense that they tell a story about us we've convinced ourselves of? So for example, some stories you can tell yourself unconsciously are bad things always happen to people like me, or I will never be able to feel peace, or it's just a matter of 
time before something else happens that makes my journey difficult. These are kind of unconscious narratives that run because something has happened in our past that has made them kind of be weaved in to our general experience of suffering. And we can then, after we do this, we can explore where the need to be saved from what's going on comes from. So what feeling is informing this pool for someone to come in? Is it sadness? Is it anxiety? Is it a loss of hope? When we pinpoint the feeling, we can find the motivation. Let me repeat that again. When we find the feeling and put a pin on it, identify it, we can find the motivation behind wanting saving. Is the need for someone coming from believing that we won't be able to figure things out alone? Is it coming from feeling overwhelming anxiety that could only be appeased through having someone's soothing presence? Is it coming from believing that only the unconditional love of someone else could make things feel worth it again? So when the motivation becomes clear, we have two options. We can shame our motivation or we can meet it with compassion. Can we be kind enough to ourselves to move past seeing our fragility and accepting it is a normal human want to wish for release and healing in the face of darkness? And can we forgive ourselves for first imagining that these things could only come from someone else and their intervention in our lives? And can we also exercise this unwavering compassion that even if we choose to allow someone in with the hopes of being saved, we can re-explore where our emotions and motivations lie if letting someone in doesn't work out for us and we end up feeling lonelier and more desperate for release, even when we've let them in. Can we do that for ourselves? Can we forgive us for falling into that human want and wish for having this immediate transformation and release coming from moments that are testing every fiber of our being to keep our hope and keep our faith in things we're solving. When we have compassion, you know, we, we are met with a greater push to fall back and retreat in the passage of time. What I mean by this is when we are able to hold that compassion, it will most likely take time to begin feeling in control again. When you're alone, when you, when you decide to face these things with introspection and self-awareness, we realize that it takes time to find inner peace and self-care throughout the difficulty. And to stop imagining how much easier things would be if we had someone come in as, an, as a quick fix to the suffering. And frankly, I don't want to sugarcoat this because in my path, I have seen that it has taken time. But 
even if there is no telling how long it will take for you. I can assure you that it will get easier to feel the intensity when you make a conscious effort to meet it with loving awareness. So even if the intensity of the experience is still there and there's going to be judgment and negative thinking that also comes along with it because it's natural to feel it. It does not have to be the only part of the picture. Loving awareness can come in the form of small mental shifts and practices that you adopt to begin taking care of yourself and to start accepting support intuitively and not out of immense desperation to escape all that makes you feel exposed or vulnerable or lost. Because if I'm being completely honest with you, there's an abundance of resilience and wisdom inside of you that can often only be accessed through being with yourself for a moment in time. And oftentimes these moments that demand us to be alone with our thoughts and and our emotions, they are difficult. They feel overwhelming and overpowering. But... Tuning into how your body and spirit sit with these tough instances in life can yield the strongest pull towards finding what makes you, you. What makes you feel passionate about showing up in life with purpose, with integrity, with passion. Through the toughest instances in my own life, I found parts of me that inspired the creation of this podcast and the theme of this podcast really being empowered in darkness I never understood what self-love meant for me it was just this buzzword that I heard everywhere and it had a million definitions and applications and I always felt detached from it It wasn't until I reached the other side of the experience with my mom and with experiencing rejection in my professional life that I realized I was engaging in self-love throughout that experience. And the reason that I realized that was that I felt like I'd been there for myself in ways that I desired over and over again that someone would be there. And it didn't feel like I was being there for myself because I was going through some hard emotions and very negative thought processes. But when I reached the other side, it felt like I discovered a strength in me that I didn't know I could harbor. And it felt for the first time like I could say, now I know what self-love means in my path. And I know that you can feel the same way too, not, you know, bashing any kind of support that you can get from others. Like I said, if you do it intuitively and from a place of love that you've already poured within, it can be incredibly healing. But I always advocate for the same thing and I really feel it in my heart based on the things that I've lived and that I've seen other people in my life go through. That the love and the care that you can give to yourself is so undervalued in today's society 
oftentimes because we don't know how to do it because we get overwhelmed very easily and honestly if you are if you if you reach the end of this episode and you feel how do i get started you've already gotten started listening to this taking it in even even if you got triggered and really having curiosity about it is a huge first step and i'm really proud of you for it if you have any questions about this massive topic that i know has a lot of facets to it i really encourage you to reach out and let me know what you thought if you have any recommendations for for future mentionings of this topic or any other kind of surrounding um, ideas that also come with exploring the need to be saved, I really encourage you to reach out to me with them because I would be more than happy to hear from you. So thank you and I will talk to you on the next episode, which is going to be one of our longer ones. So have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. There is no right time to begin working on the parts of ourselves we may have neglected for the majority of our lives. If you're here, it is for a reason. I am so proud of you for asking the tough questions and delving into what comes of these. May you find the deepest healing and transformation on this path. Thank you.